we are stewards. Christians are not owners. If you are a true follower of Jesus Christ, then Jesus describes you as a steward. But what is a steward? A steward is defined as a person who manages another's property or financial affairs. One who administers anything as the agent of another or others. In Jesus' parable, he describes a steward who shares in their master's happiness and the lazy stewards who face punishment for failing to faithfully steward what was entrusted to them. Are you a faithful steward? At Cross Church, we are teaching you to live in a way that guarantees the master's praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, last uh, Sunday we ended our series on, on the Word Became Flesh and talking about Jesus Christ coming to establish his kingdom. And of course, you understand that in establishing his kingdom, he's also making it clear that he is our king. And so this morning, what we're doing is we are actually now talking about what it means to be a member of God's great kingdom. What does it mean to be a royal subject? If you are a Christian today, if you're converted, then you understand that you are a member of the kingdom of God, sometimes called the kingdom of heaven. It means the same thing. Jesus Christ is not just our savior, but he is in fact our king. Now, what does that mean for us to call him Lord? For the whole month of January, uh, beginning today and ending in the last Sunday of January, we're gonna be focusing on what it means to live under the lordship of King Jesus called the Messiah or Christ, for that's what it means. So many talk about who Jesus is, and there's a lot of doctrine that people have studied. They know a lot about God. They know a lot about Jesus. They know a lot about what the Bible says, but so few really understand what it means to live as royal subjects. What are the practical implications of belonging to the kingdom of God? That's what we wanna talk about today. Jesus wants us to understand what it means to be part of his kingdom. And to do this, Jesus, in the, throughout the gospels, except for the gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus teaches us what the kingdom of God is all about. And he, he offers about 30 different parables. Uh, some would argue more, some would argue less, but we're looking at about 30. In Mark chapter four, verse 34, it says, in fact, his public ministry, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterward, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. So how do we sum up what it means to be a member of his kingdom? Well, we could sum it up in a word. We are stewards. Stewardship is something that ought to be understood by every follower of Jesus Christ. Now, I need to, I need to just stop for a moment and, and just hopefully cause you to think about what it means to belong to the kingdom of God. If you belong to the kingdom of God, then you are a person who is what we call a Christian or converted. You're not a nominal Christian. A nominal Christian means in name only. That's what nominal means. We're not talking about a cultural Christian. Your parents were Christians, your grandparents were Christians, your great-grandparents were Christians, and so therefore you're a Christian. I'm not talking about that because that's not really what Christianity is as defined by Scripture. What I'm talking about is, is about those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior and the King. Now, if you're one of those people who's put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you are what we would call a legitimate member of the kingdom of God. Now, it's a glorious thing. It's an amazing thing. It's a miraculous thing to be able to say, I am a member of the kingdom of God. You became a member 
When God by his spirit drew you to himself and you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you recognized that you were a sinner. You recognized that you needed a savior. You recognized that following your will rather than the will of God was causing you nothing but disaster. And so this morning we are celebrating what it means to come under the will of God. Now, this is something that you need to understand or you really won't understand what the Gospels are all about. You really won't understand what Jesus was about. You won't understand what he was teaching. Remember when Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us to pray, thy kingdom come and what? And thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those of us who are Christians, those of us who have put our faith in Christ, we understand now, we don't pursue our own will, but rather we pursue the will of God. We don't do what we want to do, rather we do what God wants us to do. And and this really is what it means to be a true steward. And we'll talk about more of that in just a second, but understand this, we are stewards. You are a steward, a manager of all that you have, and it belongs to the Lord. Did you get that? It all belongs to the Lord, everything that you have including your skills, your talents, the brain that God give you, uh, the skills, all these things, it's all given to you as a gift from God. And you need to understand that. So let's take a look then at Matthew chapter 25. And we're looking at verses 14 to 30. So it's a bit of a long read, but it's, it's, uh, it'll go quickly. It's very interesting. So if you have your Bibles, please follow along with me. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And it says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, or, or five talents, if you want to put it like that. He gave two bags of silver, or two talents, to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. Now, the servant who received the five bags or the five talents began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two talents, he went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one talent dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. And the servant to whom he had trusted the five talents came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five talents to invest, and I have earned five more. And the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And the servant who had received two talents came forward and said, Master, you gave me two talents to invest and I have earned two more. And the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And then the servant with the one talent came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops that you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. Now, you'll notice that this new sermon series is called Stewardship. It's not your treasure to bury. And that's what this man with the one talent did. He hid it in the ground, but it was not his money to hide in the ground. And here's what the master said. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I had harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered take the money from that servant and give it to the one with 10 talents. For to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. 
But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw the useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. May the Lord add his own rich blessing to the reading of his word. Now, let us look at these first few verses. For the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called the servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one one, and to each according to his ability, then he went away. Let me just quickly clarify you for you what a talent of silver is. A talent of silver was a monetary unit, and was, each one was worth about 20 years wages for a laborer. So in today's money, the first servant received five talents, which would be equivalent to about $4.3 million, a lot of money. And then the second fellow was given two talents, which is worth about $1.7 million. And then finally, the third fellow was given one talent, which is worth about $850,000. And just to give you an idea how much money we're talking about, it costs uh, our church about $850,000 a year to, to operate. So you get an idea of how large amount of money this and what this amount of money can actually accomplish. It's an enormous amount of money. Uh, even one talent is an enormous amount of money. And so here is here's this, this man going on a journey. Now, here's what we need to know. We need to understand four things from this passage. And the first thing is Jesus is the man going on the journey. And you know the story of, of the birth of Christ, and you know that Jesus preached and he, and he healed the sick and he raised the dead. He walked on water. Then he was crucified. He was hung on the cross. He was put in a grave, but on the third day he rose again. And then after that, we all know that he ascended to the Father. He returned to the Father. Well, this is what Jesus is talking about. He was going on a journey. He was going to be away for a long time. So here's what we do know. Jesus has in fact purchased his servants. And by the way, that word servant is actually in Greek is the word doulos, which means slave. He has purchased us. He has purchased all those who are in his kingdom. He has purchased us with his own blood. So you need to understand that. You need to understand who you are as a member of the kingdom of God. You belong to the master. Jesus Christ is our master. He's our king, and he has purchased us with the shedding of his own blood. Whereas once you and I were slaves to sin, now God has delivered us from that, and now we are slaves to Christ. And as slaves to Christ, I know that it sounds like a horrible word, but you need to understand what this means. It means now that we are under his stewardship, even as God is managing and stewarding us according to his will, we in turn are managing what he's entrusted to us. It's a beautiful symbiotic relationship. Now, because he has purchased us with his blood, it means that he has authority over us, which means that he's the one that determines what we do or what we do not do. Did you get that? Because for a lot of Christians, they feel they can just do whatever they want. And anybody who has that notion or that idea is somebody who clearly doesn't know what the Bible says. You don't get to do whatever you want. You do what the master tells you to do because he is your master. And he has a right to be your master because he purchased you with his own blood. Now, once you understand that, you understand that everything you have, you do not own. You're, you're not an owner. That means you don't get to do with your stuff whatever you want. Now, I know to the unbeliever, this will not make sense, and this will maybe even be uh, something that is repugnant to you. You don't like this. But for those of us who have learned to trust Jesus Christ, we love the idea that all that we have belongs to him. My house belongs to him. My car belongs to him. My, the money in my bank account, which is not much. Uh, my investments my retirement income, my clothes, my, my family, it all belongs to God. We have to understand that. 
You need to know who you are in Christ. You need to know what it means to be part of his kingdom. It also means that my time, all my time belongs to him. I don't get to use my time any old way that I want. And again, this might come as a shock to us. We maybe don't like to hear that, but the fact is your time is actually not really your time. Your time is being given to you, and you don't know how long you're going to live on this earth. But what we do know, and the, apostle Paul, the apostles tell us, this, tell us this all the time, that we have to make good use of the time that's been given to us. So my talents are his, my skills are his, the wisdom that I've been able to gain over the years, my knowledge that I've been able to gain, it all belongs to God, and God wants me to use all of this for his glory and honor. So again, back to, to our use of the time. Here's what Paul says to the Ephesians in chapter 5, verses 15 to 17. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but listen to this, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Did you get that? You see, the, the will of the Lord and our time are tied together. We understand then that we are answerable to the Lord even in how we spend our time. That's right, I use the word spend. We spend money, we spend time, and we, we expend our wisdom, knowledge, skills, and talents. These things belong to the Lord and we are to use them for his glory and for his honor. Now, the second thing you need to understand, so we understand, we understand who our master is and we are under his, under his rule. The second thing we need to understand is that we are in fact the servants in this parable. And I told you that that word servant in Greek actually is doulos, which means slave or bond servant. In Luke chapter 12, verses 35 to 48, Again, Jesus is doing a parable about, about being stewards. And, and he, uh, Luke that is, reports about how Jesus teaches that we as his slaves are, are, must be prepared for his return. And we, we understand that Jesus Christ is coming again. And of course, we, we read that in, the, in Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30. Jesus Christ is coming again. So we see that, that the word slave is, is being used, but there's another word that Jesus uses in Luke chapter 12, and it's that word ekonomos, which uh, from, you, know, we, you, you may even recognize the sound of that word, economy or economics. Basically, it's talking about stewardship or management, or if you want, accounting, keeping track of records, being being responsible to make sure that all the resources that belong to the master are being used wisely to extend or advance his kingdom. Now, it's really important to get that because a lot of people do not understand that as a Christian, you are an agent of the kingdom of God. You are God's agent here on this earth. Did you know that Adam and Eve, when God established them in the garden, they were basically told the same thing. We talked about that, I think, last week, maybe the week before, Genesis 1.28. And God says, I'm giving you all of this to govern. All of this is, 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 is yours to, to, to rule over. It's your job to steward what I've entrusted to you. And then, of course, you know, Adam and Eve sinned. We fell, and, and God's will, his plan was frustrated for a time. But now here we read that Jesus is reestablishing this role of stewardship where Adam and Eve now, uh, where what Adam and Eve were supposed to do, we now are going to do. We are going to be stewards of what God has entrusted to us so that we may extend his kingdom throughout the world. That's, if you don't understand that, then you'll have a hard time understanding the Great Commission in Matthew 28 where Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We're extending, we're advancing God's kingdom. We, as God's servants, as servants of the king, are called to advance his kingdom. So really, the best way to describe us as Christians is we are, in fact, uh, slave managers, or if you will, stewards. 
Now, I know that the term slave has got such, such evil and nasty connotations, but this is why it is so critical that you actually understand and know your Bible so that you can understand what, what we mean by that in this context. Jesus is not a wicked slave owner. In fact, it's quite the opposite. As, uh, as, a, as the slave owner, his responsibility is to care for us, to protect us, and to make it so that we don't have to worry about what we eat or what we drink or what we wear. Does that ring a bell for you? Because that's exactly what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. In fact, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the will of the king. And then all the things that you need, it'll all be added unto you. You won't have to worry about anything. Now, this, to me, is very attractive. The fact that I don't have to worry about what I'm going to wear, what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink. I don't have to worry about any of that. God's going to take care of all that. My, my owner, my, my Lord, my king is going to take care of all that. I just need to make sure that I'm doing his will. I am putting his kingdom first before my wants and my will. So what are stewards? Well, a steward is then somebody who uses his time, the treasure and talent that has been entrusted to him for the glory of God. Now, let's, here's the third thing that we need to understand. We need to understand that everyone, and I mean everyone, has received something that can be invested and used for the glory of God. There's some people who think, oh, I don't have any talents. I don't have any skills, I don't have any money, I don't have, I don't have anything, Pastor Allen, I don't even have time. Well, I'm, I'm afraid to tell you that you're wrong. Um, it's just not correct. In fact, Peter, who is very, very interested in, this, in this, this notion, this idea of stewardship, he was the one in Luke chapter 12 that, that actually was uh, who pre precipitated Christ's discussion of what it means to be a steward. And, and so it's Peter now who gives us some very excellent insight. Listen to this, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 to 11. Peter says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as what? As good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, Speak as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So you see that whatever we do, it's for, for God's glory. It's for the sake of King Jesus. And Peter says, and it's to Jesus Christ, to him belongs to glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. So we, we recognize that Jesus is our king, he's entrusted gifts to us, and whatever we have, we use it for his glory and honor. I remember when I first came to this church, there was an older lady here uh, who, was, uh, who really had a really a tough life, and she didn't have much. And in fact, uh, she was disabled, she was unable to work, uh, but she did receive uh, uh, government assistance. And I, was, I marveled one day when I realized or discovered that she, every, every, every time she was paid, she always gave a tenth of whatever she received. And when I was that age, I was young, and I thought, you know what, like, really, do you need to do that uh, in your condition? And she got really quite sharp with me. As much as to say, how dare you suggest that I should not or could not give? She understood that she was, in fact, a servant of the king. And she is going to do her part. She is going to use what she has. And you know what? She was, she was always active, helping in Sunday school. Uh, whenever there was a work party, she was one of the first ones that signed up. She, she couldn't do much because of her condition, but she, she did whatever she could. And oftentimes, I didn't even... I didn't even really want to ask her to do anything because I didn't, I didn't want to impose upon her. And I, I, I felt sorry for her. But that was the absolute worst thing to do to her. What I needed to do is I needed to release her, set her free to, to do what God wanted her to do. And I learned to do that. And we became fast friends. And I'm going to tell you this morning that this is what it means to be a Christian. It means that we 
are going to use whatever God has given to us. And this notion that, you know, it's the rich people that need to pay, it's the rich people that should, should carry the expenses of the church, this is such an evil, evil thought. What you're doing in saying something like that is you are excusing yourself from your responsibility. And remember, you are not the master. You don't have the right to do that. You don't have the right to declare that. And by the way, understand this. You're not answerable to anybody but the king of kings. You give account to him, and someday you will give an account as we saw in the parable. But let's move on. Then we, we discover that we receive according to our ability. And so God does not expect Alan Duncalf to, to be a Billy Graham. I don't have Billy Graham's experience or his gifts or his talents. But guess what? When the day comes, we will be, we will be judged in exactly the same way, not by how many souls he won to Christ, but rather by how faithful he was according to his ability. And likewise, it's the same for me. And it's likewise the same for you. So understand that God deals with us according to our ability. And if you noticed, when God spoke to the man with the five talents who increased it to 10 talents, he said exactly the same thing to the fellow with two talents who increased it to four exactly the same reward, exactly the same praise, exactly the same invitation to come and share his happiness. You can't miss that because some people get discouraged. They say, well, I can't do anything. I'm not as good as him or not as good as her. I don't have her talents. I can't sing like that. I I can't play the piano like Chris can play the piano. I can't do administration the way Jenna does administration, so I may as well just quit. The fact of the matter is, is every one of us has gifts and talents, and your responsibility is to use what God has given to you, your time, your treasure, and yes, your skills and talents. Use it for his glory and honor. In Luke chapter 12, going back to the other parable that talks about stewardship, Jesus says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Do you know that verse has ruined more nights of sleep for me than just about any verse in the Bible. I often, often think about that. I often think about that as I'm driving home in my comfortable vehicle, as I go home to my comfortable home. To whom much is given, much will be demanded. And so folks, listen to me. Your responsibility is not to compare yourself to others, but rather to judge yourself according to what the Lord has taught us. It's according to our ability. I think that this is a tension that all of us must continue to have, and we must learn to manage it by being obedient, but never forgetting that what God has given to us must be used for his glory and honor. So I remember a reporter reporting about how much money that Oprah has given to charity. And this reporter was reporting on George Clooney and how much money he was giving to charity. And I can't remember all the actors and and all the superstars and all the athletes who are making multiplied millions of dollars. But this reporter is saying, isn't this wonderful? She's given a million dollars here and a million dollars there. Well, you know, folks, if you're looking at it as a percentage, she's she's giving next to nothing because this woman's a billionaire. Now, again, I'm not the judge, but here's what I know. And this is why it's so dangerous to compare yourself to others. I know that as, as huge as this giving was, it's a very small percentage of their, of their gross earnings or their, gross, or their net worth. My giving compared to them was two times, three times, and maybe five times greater than what their giving was. So here's what you need to understand. When it comes to giving, when it comes to giving your time and your money and, and whatever you have, your skills and talents, it's, it's really according to your ability. The best way to describe it is according to the percentages. So we, we have Jesus with his disciples sitting in the temple and watching as people are stopping by the giving center and dropping in their gifts. And there's people dropping in great big bags of gold and all kinds of coins. And, and it looks like these people, these are really spiritual, religious people. Look how much money they've given. You've never seen anything like it. These are the best givers that have ever lived in Israel. And then along comes a widow. 
a widow who has nothing, and yet she, from, from the very little that she has, she gives what's called, what we call now the widow's mite, that one little simple coin. To anybody else, they would laugh at that and say, well, why even bother? It's just taking up space. It's, it's just a waste of time to even try to account for a widow's mite. It's worthless. What are you doing, lady? Don't waste our time. And yet here's what Jesus says. Jesus says she has given more than anybody else because it's a percentage game. This is what it's about. This is what you need to understand. You will be judged according to your ability and according to what you have done with your time, treasure, and talent, which leads me then to my second point. Jesus Christ is coming again, and I'm looking forward to that day. Now, for many, you're not looking forward to that day because, in fact, you haven't been living as true stewards in the kingdom. Look what it says here. It says, now after a long time, the master of these servants came and settled accounts. Notice that term, a long time. Hey, you know, it's, it seems that when we're waiting for a long time that we lose interest or that we give up hope or we begin to think, well, he's not coming back or we begin to think, oh, well, I mis- must have misunderstood. I've got the wrong theology. But the fact of the matter is, my friends, is that Jesus Christ is coming again. I have no idea when this is going to be. It would seem to me, it would appear to me that it could be at any time now because of the way the world is today. But here's what you need to know. It seems that the Lord is taking forever. But Jesus wants us to know he is returning. Regardless of what you think, regardless of what your impression is, the fact of the matter is he is returning. And are you going to be ready for that? The second thing you need to understand is that he's coming back to settle accounts. What does that mean? Well, he's coming back to evaluate. Or let's use a word that none of us likes. He's coming back to judge us and to hold us accountable. Now, some people have this notion of this idea that once you become a Christian, then then you won't sit before the judge. But the fact is, is yes, you will. You will sit before the judge. You will have to give an account because he's coming to settle the accounts. He wants to know, what did you do with what was entrusted to you? And by the way, let me just point something out here. I'm not talking about Jesus judging your righteousness, because if you put your faith in Christ, the righteousness that you have is not something that you have done. It's something that Jesus has done. Did you get that? So he's judging not your righteousness, but your fruitfulness. Just let that settle for a moment. He's not judging your righteousness, he's judging your fruitfulness. Now, it's true that your fruitfulness could be uh, included as part of your righteousness, but, but you need to be clear about this. When you stand before God someday, he's not going to say, well, how much, how, how, much, how much good works did you do versus how much bad works did you do? And if your good works are more than your bad works and you're into heaven, that's not what, God, that's not what we're talking about. It's an it's a absolutely wrong idea of what we're talking about when we talk about Jesus coming to settle accounts. If you're a real Christian, then you have put your faith in Christ and Christ has given you his righteousness. And it's come to you by God's grace alone and through your faith alone in Christ. No, what I'm talking about here is we're talking about a fruitfulness. He wants to know, what have you done? And folks, you see now the importance of these parables. It helps us to understand what Jesus is talking about. If Jesus has given you five talents, when he comes back, will you have doubled that? Or will you be like the, the one-talent guy? Well, I don't, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but let's stop and, and ask the question. What did you do with what's been entrusted to you? Think about that for a moment. Would you be happy right now if the Lord returned? Would you be happy to stand before him? Would you be happy to open the books and say, Lord, here's, here's, what, here's, here's what I've been able to do by your grace and by your kindness and with your strength? Think about it for a moment. Look what God has entrusted to you as a, as a citizen of Canada. You, you have a place to live. There's nobody in Winnipeg needs to live on the streets. If people are living on the streets, it's because, sadly, they're suffering from mental illness, and they should have 
a, a place where they can go and find warmth and, and be cared for. But that's not how our healthcare system works anymore. But for the, for the rest of us, we understand that we live in Canada. We have unprecedented freedom and unprecedented wealth. And if you've been born in Canada, then you really don't fully understand or appreciate what a great gift this is from God. Go live in China, where I've heard just recently that the chairman of the country, of the Communist Party, has insisted now that his, his portrait hang in the sanctuary of every church. They, they want these Christians not to be devoted to King Jesus, they want these believers to be devoted to the Communist Party and specifically to the chairman uh, of the country. We live in incredible freedom. And so Jesus is asking, what are you doing with the freedom that's been given to you? Remember, to whom much is given, much more will be required. We, we have wealth here. The community that we live in, we, we're surrounded by the United Nations. Almost everybody in our community has come as first-generation immigrants, and they're living in our community. It just blows my mind. They understand that it's an unprecedented wealth that is at their fingertips. What about, what about the word of God that you have an unprecedented access to? Right now, China has prohibited uh, the, the Bible apps. They're, Apple has complied. They don't want to lose that, that billion-member market, trade market. So what do they do? They comply. They don't care. But we live in a country we're still able to read the Scripture. In fact, we, we have access to all manner of Bible helps, commentaries, books, scholarly works, and Jesus is saying, what are you doing with that? And what about your intelligence? Your intelligence, your brains, and your skills. You say, Pastor Alan, I don't remember that, anything about that. Yeah, God is going to, God is going to judge us. He's, when he comes to settle the accounts, he's going to ask, what did you do with the brain I gave you? And some people have got, are incredibly gifted intellectually. But folks, in case you think we're talking just about people with a high IQ, listen to what Dr. Howard Gardner says. He says there's eight different types of intelligences consisting of linguistic intelligence, uh, logical mathematical intelligence, spatial intelligence, bodily kinesthetic uh, intelligence, musical intelligence, interpersonal, what we might call emotional intelligence, and then interpersonal, that's an ability to understand yourself, to know yourself, and then a naturalist uh, intelligence. And I haven't got time to go into any of that, but suffice it to say is that all of us the whole body of Christ has got gifts and skills and talents that God has asked you to come and use for his glory and honor. Some of you are in unique situation where you don't have to work and you've got an abundance of time on your hands and we've got some people in our church that just give an exorbitant amount of time and make possible so many of the ministries that we have and how thankful to God we are that they use their time for God's glory and honor. And then all of us, there are no poor people in this country. You need to go, you need to, go to a third world country where, where you will experience and discover what true poverty really is. What are you using with the money possessions in your care? Well, the master returns and asks, it's settling accounts. And here's what, here's what uh, he says to the first two fellows. He says, master, the first fellow says to Jesus, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. And then in verse 22, Jesus moves on to the second guy. Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. What, what, what's going on here? These fellows have, have increased what's been given to them. They have accomplished what they were supposed to do as stewards. Now, I wonder today, could you, in fact, give a clear accounting to Jesus? If Jesus came and now says, it's time to settle accounts, what are you going to tell him? Do you have anything on your books? Is there anything that you could say, well, Lord, because of what you've given to me, this is what I've been able to do for your glory and honor. And we'll talk more about that in, in my conclusion. But you need to think about this. Am I ready to give an account? Here's the next thing you need to see. You need to see that these men are rewarded for faithfulness, not dollar amounts. 
Look at this. His master said to both of them, and I've actually combined these two verses because they're exactly the same verse, verse 21 and 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Jesus is looking for faithfulness, not for dollar amounts. He's looking for faithfulness with what God has entrusted to you. So some people think, well, uh, compared to others, I'm doing good. But no, you don't compare yourself to others. What you do is you actually compare yourself to the word of God. You let the word of God judge for you what you should or shouldn't be doing. And I want you to see here, there's actually a triple reward. The first thing is you get the praise of the master. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've heard me say that many times. I am longing for the day when I can stand before Christ and I, and I, I pray, I long to hear him say to me, Alan, well done, good and faithful servant. I wonder this morning if the master will say that to you because folks, we are going to give an account someday. The second thing I want you to see here in terms of reward is their responsibility increases. Now, we are living in a day and an age where we don't want responsibility, but you have to understand something, and this is so critical that you get this. You and I were created by God to carry responsibility, to govern his creation, to govern what's been entrusted to us. We were created to serve him. And I'm gonna tell you something this morning. The thing that gives you true joy and fulfillment in this life is serving God. It's being useful. And this is why so many people who retire early, they find themselves depressed. They find their health going down. Many people after they retire, they're dead within just a few years. Many people after they retire, they realize this is, this is, this is no fun anymore. It's fun to sit on a beach for a month or two, but really year after year, you just, you're just shriveling up like a prune or like a raisin in the sun. That's not what you're created to do. You were created to use the gifts that God has given to you for the glory of God. This is what brings you fulfillment. And this is the reward given to us by Jesus Christ. You've been faithful over a little. I'm gonna give you so much more. And this brings joy to the stewards because this is what they were created for. They were created to be a people who bring glory to God through faithful service. And then, of course, the final, the third reward here is you're entering into the joy of your master. Folks, this, this is amazing because what's happening here is Jesus is saying essentially, servants, slaves, we're one. You're celebrating with me. We're celebrating as one. I'm bringing you up to my level. I'm bringing you up to celebrate with me so that you have the joy that I have as the master, as the owner. It's just mind boggling. I'm gonna tell you, this is a joy and a pleasure that you can never have until you've learned what it means to serve the king. And then we get to the other fellow. He also, that is the Jesus or the master, moved uh, to, the, to the third fellow who had received the one talent. And this man came forward saying, Master, I knew you'd be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you, did, where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Wow. You know, the, the one talent man, surprisingly, he thinks he's done good. At least I didn't lose the talent. At least I didn't invest and then lose that talent. But here's what you need to know. The five talent guy, he makes 100% profit. He's doubled the investment. Man, wouldn't you love to go to an investment broker like that? The second talent guy, same track record, 100% profit, doubling the investment. The one talent guy makes zero profit, but I want you to see something now. Because many of us will read that and think, oh, well, there's nothing lost. But I'm going to tell you quite the opposite here. The zero profit meant that the master has a net loss. If he had invested at the bank, he would have at least got interest on his money. But the fact of the matter is, because he did nothing, it left a, a, 
a negative balance. It put the master in the red as far as that investment goes. You who've got skills and talents, you've been given so much by God, to whom much is given, much is required. You think you can sit back and do nothing, but what you don't know is as you do nothing, you are creating a negative balance in the kingdom of God. You're taking up space. You're using precious resources, taking and consuming. And sadly, this is North American Christianity today. We have people who think that they are consumers. You're not a consumer if you're a Christian. If you are a Christian, you are a steward, and you are called to double, well, at least increase the Lord's investment. The ideal would be to double the investment. But some of you are actually creating a negative balance in God's kingdom. And and it's for this reason that God pours out his wrath on this man. How dare you waste what I've entrusted to you? Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. This is serious stuff. How dare you waste all that I've entrusted to you? To whom much is given, much more will be required. And so here's what the master says. So take that talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Folks, this should scare the daylights out of you if you are sitting back and doing nothing. You and I are called to give and to spend our life, to trust the Lord and use for his glory and honor what's been entrusted. This is what we say about our home. Our home is not ours. It belongs to the Lord. And that's why we show and practice hospitality in our home all the time. Our home is always open. Lord, it's your home. Use it for your glory and honor. And so here's the, here's the punishment. And cast that worthless servant into the outer darkness. Folks, I hope and pray that... This is not you on the day of judgment, on the day that the Lord judges us. Jesus says, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hey, how do you know? How do you know whether or not you're the worthless servant or the valuable servant? Well, Jesus tells us, Matthew 7, 19 to 20, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. If there's no fruit in your life, then we have to assume that you are a worthless servant. And this is not me saying, this is what the word of God says. And you, let the, you need to let the spirit of God speak to your heart and let the spirit challenge you in terms of what you need to be doing for his glory and for his honor. You and I are called to live making decisions that please Jesus. To be an excellent steward means you're doing the will of the king. Are you doing the will of the king? Well, let me just close with this. We had over 600 shoeboxes gathered this uh, past October for Samaritan's Purse. Each shoebox, little gifts and, and the gospel if you, were, if you contribute to, the, to even one of those shoeboxes, you've advanced the kingdom of Christ because you've invested and you're sowing seeds in the gospel. If you purchased a hamper for our brothers and sisters in the north who are needy, if you purchased a hamper to provide for them food for them over Christmas, You've advanced the kingdom of God because you've caused these people to give praise and glory to God. You've pointed the people to Jesus. If you sponsor a child in Burundi, for instance, you're helping to advance the kingdom of God because every one of those children is gonna hear the gospel and is gonna be taught how to have an abundant life through Christ. Every time you tithe, every time you give, you're helping to advance the kingdom of God. Every time that you show up to teach Sunday school, every time you show up to help with the youth ministry or to greet somebody in church, 
you don't realize it, but you're helping to advance the kingdom of God. And I can't help it during this time of COVID to especially think of the tech team. These people who faithfully show up early in the morning and usually are here for hours every Sunday. These people show up faithfully, giving of their time in order that we may be able to advance the kingdom of God. This is what I'm talking about, using your talents, using what God has given you. Some people are able to, to, to purchase 10, 15 shoeboxes. Some are able to purchase two, three, four hampers. Some are able to, to serve in the tech team, teaching Sunday school, whatever. Every one of these things that you're doing for the glory of God, all of this helps to advance the kingdom. And each one of these things, my friends, is going to bring the praise of a king of kings. There's nothing more glorious than to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you this morning for your word. As we focus throughout the month of January on what it means to be true citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we pray, Father, that you would stir up our hearts, energize us, and prepare us, O oh God, to do the work you've called us to do. Father, we're so thankful for the people in our church. We especially thank you for, for the 20% who do 80% of the giving and 80% of the work around here. God, we're praying that you would increase that number from 20%. Make it 40, 50, 60, make it 100%, O oh God, that are fully engaged. Father, we know today that if everybody who called Cross Church home got involved, if everybody decided to tithe, if everybody decided to give, Father, we could sponsor two more villages in Burundi. We could, we could have every need met here, Lord. We could plant another church right here in Winnipeg. God, you're calling us to advance the kingdom. Father, move in our hearts, we pray, and give us a sense of urgency and that sense of responsibility, understanding, God, that it is indeed a privilege and an honor to have the King of Kings give us more responsibility. And it's all for your glory and honor. So, Father, we commit ourselves to you now, asking that you help us this day to be obedient. May this be the day where we contact Pastor Chris or Pastor Joel or Pastor Andrew and say, I want to sign up, I want to serve. May this be the day when somebody will take that first step and give their tithes for the first time or maybe restart giving their tithes. God, may this be the day when people will say, I've got skills, I've got talents, I can do electrical work, I can do plumbing work, I can do construction work. How can I serve? How can I use my talents? And Father, we know that your kingdom will advance. Souls will be saved. People will be baptized. People would be added to the kingdom because of our faithfulness. And so we commit ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me, amen. God bless you and have a glorious day as you serve the master.